Think you hate marketing? Think again. Here on the Marketing Chat Podcast, I share practical, relatable tips to make marketing easy and fun. I'm Kelly, a marketing strategist, Squarespace website designer, and founder of the Women Podcasters Academy. I'll be breaking down big ideas into actionable steps so you can get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. This episode is brought to you by HoneyBook, everything your business needs to get it done. Manage projects, book clients, send invoices, and get paid all on HoneyBook. Use my link in the show notes to get 50% off your first year with HoneyBook. With the midterm elections coming up in just a few months, I'm doing something a bit different today. Yes, elections are about marketing too. But also, my guest and I care about motivating people to vote for causes we care about. So today I'm chatting with Elaine Romanelli about energizing more women around easy, sustainable activism in their civic lives, especially as an ongoing part of their daily lives. Elaine works as a singer across genres from classical to pop. She tours as a singer-songwriter, accompanying herself on piano and guitar. Her music spins and streams nationally and internationally. She's released three singer-songwriter albums. Her most recent, The Hour Before, was named to four DJ Favorite Albums of the Year list. Elaine also writes and records for other artists, including Grammy-nominated Sonia Disappear Free. As a theatrical performer, Elaine has performed in dozens of shows. Most notably, she co-developed a one-person show for for the San Francisco Opera and understudied a Tony Kushner world premiere at the New Victory Theater. Welcome, Elaine. I am so happy you're here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Awesome. So you are, uh, well, before we get into the to the heart of this topic, I want to talk about your work as a singer-songwriter because I just barely <laughs> discussed or described what you do. You do so much more than what I mentioned there. Can you tell us about your background and how you got into being a singer-songwriter? Sure. I mean, I was one of those kids who started to sing before she could walk. So uh, over the years, in the course of pursuing my desire to sing, I've added in different disciplines so that now I'm sort of a performing arts generalist. But it all is centered on the voice. So I write my own music. Um, I ended up working in churches. That's the thing a lot of singers do end up doing. And because I could write music, they said, well, can you write some music for us? So then now I have a whole body of music specifically for churches. That's choral music. Um, Through my work as a singer songwriter and writer of sacred music, I ended up in a musical theater group of women. So I've done some musical theater writing. Um, I love performing of all sorts. I love teaching uh, the voice and, and all of the work really centers around some of the ideas we're going to be talking about with respect to activism. And for me, singing, singing is the way that I like to show up the most in the world. And then I have a little advantage in that my mother was a journalist. So the writing of the words comes more naturally than perhaps it wouldn't if I hadn't had so many connotation and denotation arguments around the dinner table with my family. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> that uh, understanding the difference between connotation and denotation definitely makes you a better poet and thus <laughs> lyricist, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. Thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. So as a singer-songwriter, you are essentially an entrepreneur, aren't you? Absolutely. I for sure run my own business or really, if you think about it, businesses. Yes. And there are a number of performers that structure their businesses um, in various corporate structures. I am a sole proprietor um, because I get income as a freelancer. I get 1099 income, I get cash and I get W-2 income, but it's all under the auspices of working for myself and managing my own time, sometimes hiring other people, sometimes interns, sometimes Uh, Not so far employees, that would be W-2, but a lot of the same issues that entrepreneurs in other industries face. Yes. Wow. That is a lot. I I would imagine that young singer-songwriters, you know, just starting out, aren't thinking in those terms. Like, this is a business. 
Right. It is a business. And there's a lot of discussion in the various industries about how it's a business. I think sometimes we go too far in that direction and say, oh, it's a business. It's a business. I took Mm -hmm. that message in. I bought a hook, line, and sinker. And I think to some extent, I I squeezed too much of the joy and the spontaneity out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that happens to other women entrepreneurs in other industries as well, which is you probably started something because it was your passion. Right. And yes, you want to be organized and yes, you want to have structure and you want to be fiscally responsible and you want to have plans, but you don't want to squeeze all of the passion out of it. You don't want to squeeze all the joy and the fun out of it. Or then it's got the same feel of a business where you're working because you should, you know, or you're mm-hmm. working because you need to in, in a nine to five job, but without any of the safety structures that those jobs provide. So, um, it's a business. It's also a joy. Exactly. That's very true. Like whether you're a website designer or a coach or a fitness trainer, you got into it to do that thing that you love to do. Yes. Not the bookkeeping, not the running of the business, not even, you know, the social media or the marketing, even though, you know, I'm a marketing strategist, but, uh, and, you know, as well as the website designer and everything else, but it, and you're right. When you focus too much on all the have to's, and lose sight of the why you actually got into the business. You're right. You lose the joy. I'm reading a book that actually you and every one of your listeners might also want to read. I have no connection to this woman. I'm only plugging it because I love it. It's called, we should all be millionaires. And it's about wealth acquisition for women, specifically women of color, but not exclusively women of color. And how wealth acquisition and thinking around money and the systemic structures around money are very different for women than for men. Mm -hmm. And one of the things she's talking about in the chapter I'm reading right now is letting go of the idea that you have to do it all yourself, that you're like more virtuous if you do it all yourself. She says you can be liked or you can be happy. Mm. Sometimes you have to choose between those. And she talks about the ways in which it can be a a smarter financial choice and a smarter business choice to hire out things that are not your core competency and let go of doing it all yourself. And I certainly, I don't know about you, Kelly, but I have spent years DIYing it literally. Like I learned (laughs) to code my own website and I learned to edit my own audio and edit my own video and do my own marketing and do my own socials and, you know, design all of my own flyers and posters and CDs. And after a while you get burnt out and you're like, what's, Mm -hmm. what was the core of why I'm doing this in the first place? Where did that go? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I just did an interview with a woman, Stephanie uh, um, Blake, uh, whose interview I'm releasing, Next week. Yes. Oh, gosh, I have to keep everyone straight. Yes. Next, next straight next week on that very topic on how in order to reach six plus figures, you have to outsource and delegate. So you, you were so right. I'm going to have to read that book and I will look yes. it up and put a link in the show notes. We should all be millionaires available from the New York Public Library if you want to Ooh, borrow awesome. it. Fabulous. Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Probably in everyone's local library. Yes. I hope so. Thank you so much for bringing that up. You're welcome. You can download it onto your Kindle for free. Yes. That's great. Yes. So we don't have to give our money to Amazon. And she talks also about outsourcing in your life. Do Mm. you have to be the one to cook all of the meals? Do you have to be the one to clean your home? Do you have to be the one to do your laundry? Do you? Can someone else do that? What else can someone do that's not part of the core strategy or creativity of your business that only you can do? Mm -hmm. I think those are interesting questions. That's excellent. Yeah. I need to get my 16-year-old son back into doing more things around the house. I fully support that. Yeah. I do have someone who cleans for me. Excellent. That is an absolute lifesaver. Um, but it yes, is. he needs you know, to pull his weight. And I, well, that's an important life skill because yes. if your son is going to grow up and be in any kind of partnership, the yeah. other person is going to want contribution. Yeah. 
you know, going to want, want your son to know how to do dishes, know how to do laundry, be able to yep. see things that need to be done. Have the, yep. have the eyes of a woman. Absolutely. <laughs> and he can do all of that. Mm-hmm. I have just fallen into being lazy about enforcing it. Because, you know, I get to the point where it's just like, I have to get this done. So let Mm -hmm. me just go throw in the load of laundry because he doesn't create enough laundry to do his own load. I don't create enough to do my own load. And so it's like, I'm just going to throw it all together and go do it. When really I need to say, go here it is, yours and mine, go do it. Yeah. 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 And those boundaries are hard to enforce. Uh, I think there are a lot of people who work in that with their husbands and their wives and their partners yep. where one person sees what needs to be done more or faster and yep. gets impatient, but then gets impatient, but also gets exhausted and overloaded. Yes. And that's one of the things we want to talk about today is when we're already exhausted and overloaded, how do we make time for something else that needs to be done on the regular? Yeah, Absolutely. So let's start moving into that. How yeah. did you get into activism? Oh, gosh, you know, I'm one of those people that started in high school. Mm. Um, I think maybe I was, I'm trying to think if I was assigned anything or if I just gravitated towards my first campaign. I can't remember because it was a minute. It's been a while. <laughs> um, I've, I've worked for a lot of candidates who've lost. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am on the, very, on the pretty darn liberal side. Um, mm-hmm. Although in some places like San Francisco, I wouldn't be considered you know, that liberal. (laughs) So it's all, it's all relative. Um, One of the things that, so in my, in my life as a performer, I've had to do a lot of thinking about like what, you know, especially with the pandemic, because things were so hard on us, live performing ground to a halt. You know, what is it that I'm wanting to do? Am I wanting to sing songs about whiskey, which I've written those songs? Am I wanting to sing songs about sex? I've written those songs. Am I wanting, like, what am I, how am I trying to show up in the world? What is the reason to get back out there and do it? What do I have to offer? This is a branding issue mm-hmm. that um, people are always talking about in music as well. And I had to sort of step back and assess my music. I promise this is all related. Um, and, and I realized that everything I do basically is exploring the same ideas. All of the songs I've written, the way I sing, the reason I perform live and why I'm involved in activism, it's all related. And for me, the three pillars of, of I think, my life mm. are um, dignity, agency, and inclusion. Mm. And I think to a certain extent, I was born that way. Everyone has strengths or weaknesses or areas that they, how they see the world. And they, they, they don't know that it's any different for anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently took the Clifton Strengths Assessment. I don't know if yes, you've taken I have those. To, yes. And it was enlightening because the fifth area was inclusion. And I mm-hmm. said, what is that? That's not a strength area. That's, that's just the way things are. Mm-hmm. And so understanding that not everyone sees the world that way has been really enlightening for me. So mm-hmm. I do. I see the world that way. I see us all as um, equally worthy of love, of, of rights, mm-hmm. of support, of opportunity. That's just been gifted to me. The weakness is that I get really frustrated that other people don't see the world that way and that other people would really like to be, have people below them or have people have rights taken away. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, so I come from that place of of dignity, agency, and inclusion. And um, my songs are a circle around that. My songs often are stories where there's, I'm trying to make a bridge of empathy into someone else's life, where maybe at the start of the song, you think, well, I, I would never think like that. And by the end of the song, you think that's, that's my life. Mm-hmm. Or at the start of the song, you think that's, that's, she's worried about my life. I've had many people come up to me and say, how did you have a camera in my house? How are you wow. writing about my life? Um, yeah. So that's just part of how I, I think and am. And so activism comes naturally because I look at the world and I, and I see the suffering and the need and the, the ways in which people are not having equal opportunity, the ways in which in my lifetime, you know, we thought things were going to get better and better and better and, and they've been getting worse. Um, and so I've been doing it since high school, but I've been doing it kind of unevenly, you know, mm-hmm. those, um, 
this, uh, displays at the car dealership that there's like a, yes. you know, and it's sort of like the, uh, waving yes. around. The, the yes. The like the <laughs> yeah. uh, it's poofed it's up men. The, yeah. The, yes, arm, yes. the orange and the yellow and the like, you know, the yeah. nylon thing. And it should just go straight up, but it's never right. even. So it's always just kind of like galumping around. They're used in the trailer for Jordan Peele's movie, Nope. Yes. Yes. And then all of a sudden they all collapse. They all collapse. Right. Um, There's gifts of them, all of the intertubes. Um, Yeah. That's been my activism. You know, I've been, I've been like uneven about it in and out (laughs) of it. And I was, I've been thinking about this a lot. I was really in for 2016. Mm -hmm. And then I was really in for 2020 all the way up to um, the other thing that happened on January 6th was that we elected two senators from Georgia mm, yes. um, as part of that special runoff. Democrats. Yeah. Democrats. Yes. Um, uh, so and then I have stepped back and all this year I've been sort of haranguing myself to step in. And I've been having lots of conversations, listening conversations with people about activism. And what I'm finding and Kelly, I'd be really interested to hear you know, your thoughts on this, too, and any of your listeners. What I'm finding is that people are, are overwhelmed. They're drained from the pandemic. They're overwhelmed by how fast the news cycle is, um, how fast and sort of with what glee the news tells us about bad news, how many kinds of bad news there are, like, you know, a devastating shooting. Oh, another Mm -hmm. shooting. Oh, this shooting didn't make the news because this town down the street, this literally happened in California. A town down the street had a worse shooting at the same time. Um, and then nothing changes. Um, Ukraine, why is there a war? What that, that didn't have to happen. It's happening, Mm -hmm. you know, climate change, the Mm -hmm. everyone's experiencing that in our lives. We both have our air conditioners on because it's a million degrees. Um, we're very lucky to have air conditioners. A lot of people don't, people are, you know, are, are dying from heat stroke. And so we're overwhelmed. We're exhausted from the pandemic. We're overwhelmed by the news and we just kind of want to curl into a ball mm-hmm. and say to us, make it stop mm-hmm. or, or go into sort of escapist mode and which I totally get and which I have totally felt too. And, yeah. and I think though, also what's happening is escapist mode is not doing what we want it to do. Yeah. It, we're not coming back out of it replenished. It's like yeah. when you get that depleted um, and you just want to escape, you just, push a pause button when you go off and like, you know, eat something mindless or watch some crappy TV or, you know, I don't know, drink rosés all weekend. It just pushes a pause button on however full or empty you are. So when you take the pause button off, you didn't refill. Right. So if you were empty, you stay empty. And then you're just kind of coasting along and empty. So, so we're feeling overwhelmed we're wanting a break, but we're not necessarily connecting with replenishment. We're connecting with escape and we want to do something, but we feel pre-defeated. We feel like, well, it's ordained to go badly. It keeps going badly. How do we do this? I love what you just said about pre-defeated and you're so right. We're escaping. We're not taking, so I'm going to use the phrase self-care. We're not taking self-care time, even though, so sometimes that phrase has sort of a negative connotation because sometimes it can be sort of elitist, you know, because people think of, okay, going on a vacation or going to the spa or whatever, even though it does not have to be that, you know? So yeah. when we take a break, it it's okay to escape. Sometimes, like you said, we really need to take a break to replenish and refill. Yes. Not always to escape because that escaping is really hiding our heads. You just did that for those of you who are listening and not watching, you can't see that Elaine hid her head there when describing escaping. And that doesn't help us do anything. When we no. reemerge, not only have things stayed the same, but today they've actually gotten worse. Right. Right. And so, so that's, that's our landscape. That's Mm -hmm. where we're at right now. And so how do we address that? So I'm so glad that you mentioned self-care. And I feel like we're, we're taking a long time to get to the central point, but I think we want to lay the groundwork for how to come from this place of pre-defeat and despair 
into a place of hope and energy. And I am certain it can be done, but I want to acknowledge where we're starting and not yes. pretend we're not starting here. So yes. let's acknowledge where we're starting. This is where we're starting. Yeah. And plus we're running our businesses. Yeah. We have kids, we have elderly parents, we have illness, we have COVID, like we have a lot. And as yeah. women, we've always had a lot. So let's talk about this care piece. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think, um, that in addition to, yes, self-care, I think a lot of us need more other care. Mm. I think a lot of us need more someone else to pamper us or someone else to do the dishes, <sighs> right? Or someone yeah. else to mow the lawn or take out the garbage. Yeah. And, um, and what I've been circling around is how to get that, mm. um, how to ask for it, how, to go, how and who to go up to to say, I really need a hug. Or mm-hmm. I need to talk about this and I don't want a, advice. I just really want to be heard. I just mm-hmm. want you to sit there and listen and say, I hear you. Yeah. Um, how do we, you know, do we have the wherewithal to pay for some, some other care in the, in the form of a massage or, you know, pampering? Can we exchange it in some way? So mm-hmm. I think that's an important component of care that we sometimes overlook. Yeah. And then that puts us in the place where you're like, oh, well, you have to take care of yourself and it becomes another to do. Exactly. Yes. We're already taking care of everyone else when we have people to take care of and everything else in the house and in our businesses or at work. Yes. And now we have to take care of ourselves too. Right. And, and so, and, and like when you're admonish us, like you're not taking care of yourself, like, okay, I better take care of myself. So I'm not judged. It's like, yeah. I, I'm doing everything else. I barely remember to eat lunch. Right. So right. It's and like, so, I have my coffee, but <laughs> lunch, whatever. <laughs> right. And so I think that, again, that's part of shifting our mindset, which is um, what can I let go of? Mm-hmm. And, and I can be less liked or less perfect. For me, it's housekeeping. Uh, yes. I have people in my life that are flawless. Like you go to their house at any time and it's perfect. And I'm letting go of trying to be June Cleaver. I'm letting go of perfection in my home. If you could see the top of my desk right now, <laughs> you may be horrified or you may say, oh, I, I feel seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are things we can let go of. And I think, I think that we as women, we hear a message of sacrifice. We hear a message of, of, you know, perfection, even if it's not called that we hear the do everything. We don't hear enough, um, how the people we admire have so much support to do the things that they do. Yes. You know, there's been a meme going around on the internet about, um, Thoreau mm. and how he was on a pond on his property within walking distance of his house where his mom made his sandwiches and he could go to dinner. Yes. You know, Einstein's wife was basically his servant. Um, yeah. For those who, who are religious and, and attend churches or temples, I, I would like to do a whole talk about that because we're often admiring the prophets and the, you know, the, the people, the disciples, but they, they lived in a time when the women mm-hmm. were working in service for them. Yeah. And there was a whole class of people who were literally actually slaves. Yeah. Uh, so there were other people tilling the fields. There were other people doing the cooking and the cleaning. There were other people um, uh, creating the structures they lived in. There was one gospel recently where they said, you know, go off and, you know, bring nothing, bring no money. And everyone focuses on that instead of like, basically the idea is get other people to feed you, clothe you and house you. Right. And if they don't move on, you know, don't let that be what you spend your time on. Well, wouldn't I that wish, be nice if we exactly. had that luxury? I wish I could remember the author's name and the exact name of the title of the book. So a woman wrote this book. I read it was 13, 15, some odd years ago. Maybe it was before my son was born. Something like uh, Jesus never raised kids and Buddha never drove carpool. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's absolutely. just so good. Yeah. So I want to start by saying that service and sacrifice require wellness. Mm -hmm. They require wellness. It requires mental and physical wellness. 
we must start to put ourselves first in our own lives in order to be there for everyone else in our life. Yes. In order to be there for our children, our partners, our workplaces, we must put ourselves first. And I don't mean must as a should. I mean, I want to empower mm-hmm. every voice who hears me to ask themselves what they need, what they want. And if what they want is graham crackers with butter on them for dinner, then have it. Yeah. If what you want is a day off, then put all of your devices on do not disturb and take the day. The world will not fall apart. What we need is a regular system of replenishment. And that involves a lot of things. It involves self-care. Yes. That means, you know, maybe it means washing your face before bed. But I think it, I think there's two kinds of fun that we don't talk about enough. There's like fun, fun. And then there's what I call category two fun, which is I will want to have done this. Mm. So for me, exercise is often category two fun. I will want to have worked out. I will be happy I worked out, but at the moment I don't want to. And I think as women, we do a lot more category two fun. Mm -hmm. I will want to have done this. than category one fun. This is just fun. I just want to do this. It's just fun. And the thing that we think of as fun sometimes, which is just escapist, is not actually fun because fun is replenishing. Yeah. Fun refills you. And fun looks different for different people. Like, Kelly, this for me is fun. Like, you are replenishing me having this conversation. I love talking and exchanging ideas and being with people. This is fun. It's category one fun. For some people, this would be torture. (laughs) For some people, this would not be fun. So it's different. If fun for you is reading a book, then read a book. But the replenishing piece, we have to discern for ourselves what the difference is between pausing and escaping Mm -hmm. and replenishing. And then being, um, being, uh, I want to say righteous in our, Mm. you know, being firm in our commitment of how deeply we deserve to replenish and that we get to replenish in the way that works for us and that we can put other people's needs aside and replenish because we'll be better for every single person in our lives, including ourselves when we fill back up. So that's, that's the first step in activism. The first step in a healthy ongoing relationship with activism is to take care of yourself to get others to take care of you, to put boundaries in place, to have your needs met. And I just want right. to deeply acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. And, and so that could be a whole nother conversation. That could be right. a whole podcast series, right? right? Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to say that and, and put a pin in it. And if you have listeners who want to talk about it more then I'm sure you, uh, we can find guests to bring on to talk about that more yeah. because it's, it's really important. It is. Y'all can leave comments on this episode's page of my website about that. Yeah. If you want to hear more, let me know. Absolutely. So we're starting in a place of overwhelm. We haven't really been given permission by society to truly replenish. We're not even sure what the contours of that look like. And we're starting to say, though, that's important. I need to to be there for myself, my family, and, and the world. And just to be happier. We need to be replenishing. And that may mean we spend some money on doing some things, having someone else do some things that we're doing now. And that may means we say no to some people and they like us a little bit less. And that's okay because we'll yeah. be happier and have yeah. more freedom and time and energy. And so then moving on from there, what is it about activism? What does activism look like? And I think activism can look like a lot of different things. I think that there's a way that we can take the things that we already enjoy doing and they can be a form of activism. Mm-hmm. So I love talking. I yeah. love it. <laughs> I just love it. Convivial conversation is one of my favorite entertainment pursuits. Last night, I went out to a bar in the neighborhood, a restaurant. I went to a restaurant and I sat at the bar whenever possible. I sit at the bar because I want to talk to whoever's there. Yeah. And I struck up a conversation. Isn't it the best? Oh, it's so fun. (laughs) And I struck up a conversation and we ended up talking about the state of the world and about activism. And just having this discussion, that's a form of activism. Yes. Um, 
entertainment can be a form of activism. There's this great show that was on NBC a few years ago called The Good Place. Did you ever see that? Oh, yes. I loved it. Oh, my gosh. Right. It's a half hour comedy show. Mm -hmm. Ted Danson. um, uh, uh, What Kirsten, Kristen. I can never get the Kirstens and Kristens right. Um, Cute as a button. Which? Uh, no, she's that, saying, no, she's saying on Frozen. Oh, so all the people with little kids right. know who I'm talking about. No, I forgot. Um, Belle, Kristen Bell. Yes, that's right. Kristen okay. Bell. Um, they're, they can't swear. So every time they would say that, yes. they say fork. Right. <laughs> it's forking shirt balls. Forking shirt balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, forking shirt balls. This is irritating. <laughs> yeah. Really funny show. Half hour comedy show. Major network. NBC. Little by little, you realize you're actually, you know, talking about how to live a moral life. Yes. You know, how to be an ethical person. What is ethical? What are, what are the choices you, that are open to us to make in this complicated interconnected world that that's a form of activism. Um, Cooking, cooking can be a form of activism. Mm -hmm. What you cook with, how Mm -hmm. you cook, who you share it with, Mm -hmm. who you're cooking for. So there's lots of ways to show up in the world as activism. It doesn't have to be an activity you detest. It doesn't have to be marching on Washington. It doesn't have to be marching on Washington. There are people who love marching on Washington. Great. We need those people. We need everybody is the point. And so first of all, let's understand that um, you have to be out of a completely depleted place. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that it can be something you like. It can be something that you already do. I like mm-hmm. talking. So for me, it's talking. Um, I don't like uh, phone call, cold calls to strangers. So mm-hmm. I don't do that anymore. I don't mm-hmm. force myself to do that. I do like writing postcards and letters mm-hmm. in front of a TV show in the evening. So I do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find a form of activism that really works for you and is part of your life. And so I was thinking, Kelly, how do we talk about this? What metaphor can I come up with? And I think I came up with one and I hope you and your listeners will tell me if it holds up. Okay. This is what I was thinking. I would like us to stop thinking. I I said earlier about the car dealership, right? I was doing it like this. And I had this realization this year, which is I need to stop doing that. I need, I need, and tens of millions of other people need to stop thinking of activism as an emergency situation. And Mm -hmm. Oh, before I say this next piece, I want to say one other thing, which is how you and I started this conversation on Facebook way back when. Yeah. Activism has a marketing problem. Yes. Yes. Activism we did has briefly talk a marketing about marketing problem. And the marketing problem is that into this landscape of overwhelm we're already experiencing on the news, we get these activism emails and they're all terrifying. You know, act now or everything's going to burn down. Something else bad happened. You know, if you don't send us money, you know, this other really bad guy could win. And it's just more overwhelm and exhaustion on top of already overwhelm. And so we just tune out. We're like, oh, yes, I should send them money. I'll right. do it later. <laughs> oh, yes, I should make those phone calls. I'll do it later. That's not helping. Activists are not helping us activate ourselves. There are a couple organizations that are not like that. And if I may, I'd like to mention them because Absolutely. I think they're great resources. Yeah. The, the, I'm going to stick to the one. I'm on a, I'm on a million lists. Um, <laughs> there's one politician who you may or may not agree with, but I really appreciate that she does not 100% of the time ask for money. And that's AOC. Um, mm-hmm. She will send emails that are just updates mm-hmm. that are not always negative, And she does not always ask for money. And I think that's important. But the best activism list, if you are center or left, Mm -hmm. is swing left. Because they're always positive. They always come up with something positive to say that's energizing. They focus on what's working and they give you specific things you can do. That's got time this weekend. Here's what you can do. Phone banking, texting, writing postcards, writing letters, donating. And it's not a giant overwhelming list. It's like, Mm -hmm. here's what's going on. And then I'm on another list that does that really well. But I think that that might be a private list from a person. But what I love about her is every week she picks a different state. And she's like, this week we're in Nevada. Here's three things. Oh my gosh. Here's three things. 
That's excellent because so many of us want to be told, here's where you're needed yes. right now. Yes. Because the whole money thing, I am sick of it. Yes. I unsubscribe from, well, first of all, you know, you yes. donate to a Democratic politician. I assume it's the same with the Republicans and you end up on all of their lists. Uh, I hate that. Pisses me off. Exhausting. Yes. And then the constant barrage of asking for money. It's like, I just gave you money two days ago. I am not doing it again. And what I really do want is to know where is my time or my efforts? Where are those? You know, most needed. Yes. Not more money. Yes. So please exactly. tell me that. So I'm so okay. glad you mentioned that. So I mean, um, so the list, a, swing left. Yes, swing left is if you if you want to come away with one place, swing left is the place. They're positive. Great. They they do have a donate button, but they it's not just like money, 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 money. No. They tell you what's needed, when it's needed, why it's needed, and how you Great. can get involved. Awesome. The woman the woman I'm going to mention is Rachel Dart. She okay. has this weekly email. Um, if you'd like to be added to it, you can contact me, Great. Elaine at ElaineRomanelli.com, and I can connect you. She awesome. picks a d- different state depending on what's going on. She has a phone bank, a text bank, a donate, a canvassing, and that's it. Awesome. Very clear. Um, if you, but okay, so stepping back for a second, because I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. Activism has a marketing problem and the marketing problem is they've trained us to um, come in a crisis and then we put on our crisis hats. Well, you can't live in crisis mode. You can't, Mm -hmm. you can't. My, my brother is in, is in the army and he mobilized to Iraq twice. And he said, Mm -hmm. you know, you're in body armor in a convoy and they're definitely improvised explosive devices on the road. And you're facing with your weapons out and you're sitting targets but you're doing it for eight hours. Mm-hmm. You just can't keep up that level mm-hmm. of alert the whole time. Mm-hmm. At some point, you just sort of like settle in. Mm-hmm. So A, we can't live in crisis mode and, mm-hmm. and the powers that be should not expect us to. No. And B, we need to understand that this is what's happening now. Climate change right. is a really serious problem. You know, gun violence is going to take a sustained effort over time. And reproductive rights, it took them 50 years to get us to this place. It's going to maybe take us 50 years to get back. And and I think that Democrats don't understand that. Republicans were very patient in getting to this point. We are like, okay, we have to flip this right now, immediately. And it's not going to happen. We have it's to look at the long game, yes. it, you know, to, to get it to flip, it's probably not going to happen in your and my lifetimes. Probably not. And so let's just take a minute and take that in and have a moment to mourn that. Yep. You know, we want to see, we want to see dignity, agency, inclusion, equal rights. I do. Yes. I can't speak for everyone. Oh, yeah. And we want to live into that future. And maybe it will happen and maybe it won't happen in our lives. But think about the women who marched and fought and were beaten and jailed to get us the right to vote. They passed yeah. it by one vote. Yeah. One man it oh. hung on the decision of one man 102 years ago. Mm. And a lot of the women that worked so hard for that didn't see it in their lifetimes. They had to yeah. hand the baton off to someone else. Yeah. So this is the crux of the message. Um, we want to reframe activism instead of being a crisis thing where you run with your bucket, you put out the fire and then you go home and you're like, whew, that's done. We want to think about it as a steady part of our lives that we have integrated into our lives from this moment until our last breath, basically. Yeah. And that we're going to, there's going to be years where we have to tap out. But then when that year is over and we're replenished again, the year that my mom died, I had nothing to give to anyone. My husband's brother had died the year before. Four Mm. friends died the year after. I didn't Mm. have it. So I tapped out and I had the trust that someone else was on it. But right now we're in a place where we think someone else is on it and hundreds of millions of us are tapped out because of the overwhelm, because of the crisis mentality, 
because of the barrage of negative news and because of the way professional activists are reaching out to us with fire, fire, fire. We need to put all that aside. We need to say, okay, this is the new landscape. Yeah. We're going to replenish ourselves. We're going to take care of ourselves. We're going to get other care that we need. And we're going to find a way to do activism as an ongoing, sustainable part of our lives instead of in response to every little crisis. The crises are going to keep coming. So here is my my offer, my suggestion that we could think about it the way we think about a pedicure. Ooh. (laughs) So (laughs) pedicures, different women approach pedicures different ways. Some women check out their nails, cut them when they need it, do it at home, it's perfunctory, and they move on. Some women like the ritual of taking care of their own feet and they have their polishes and their tools and they put on some music, you know, and they, they do it, but they do it themselves. Some women have a person they go to, it's the same person, they go on their way to work, they go on their way from work, they go on Saturday. Some people go once a week, some people go once every six weeks. Some people go and they make it a thing, you know, they go with their friends, maybe they have some bubbly, it's like an event. But everybody does it. Mm-hmm. Everyone finds a way to do it in the way, in the amount of time and effort and money and energy and level of fuss and level of social and level of fun that works for them. Very true. Everybody does it. Now, the other thing is that you can call it a pedicure mm-hmm. or you can call it cutting your toenails. Yes. Which sound, which sounds like more fun. True. And you, you can do polish. You don't have to do polish. You can yes. just cut them. You can file them. You can buff them. You can paint, yes. you know, do gel Lo- or regular. You're right. Yes. Lots I of do options. pedicures and I have someone else do it for me and I do it regularly. Yep. On a schedule. Yeah. Right. And so I'm inviting us to start to look at activism, the way we look mm-hmm. at pedicures. I First of it. all, the name makes a difference. Yes, it does. You can call it cutting your toenails or you can call it a pedicure. So let's call activism a fun activity. That's something we already like to do. Mm-hmm. And we get to choose the time, the energy, the effort, the social level and the level of fun. Okay. We know we can integrate it into our lives because we manage to integrate pedicures into our lives. We're not asking for it to be, it doesn't have to be the same level someone else does it. It doesn't have to look the same or feel the same. You get to design it the way that works for you. Yeah. So if you get on one of these lists, and I'm recommending to start with Swing Left because I just think they're positive. They're run by women. They're clear. Cool. They're organized. You can see what they're offering. Awesome. Try everything. Try phone banking. Don't like phone banking? Fine. Try text banking. Don't like that? You can write letters with vote forward. You can write letters with postcards for voters. You don't want to write letters. There's so many ways to integrate it into your life. But I personally think, Kelly, that when we feel empowered, when we feel like our efforts are part of this collective effort, which is another thing Swing Left does really well. And again, I have no connection with them. I don't get paid by them. I just think I like knowing that I'm part of a community of people who are doing this, that I'm not just out there on my own. Yeah, And that's one of the reasons I do a lot of my activism through them and other group activities. When we feel empowered and like our efforts are part of a group and like our contribution is part of a greater whole, that replenishes us. That in and of itself replenishes us. So activism, instead of draining us, can replenish us. Very true. Being part of something bigger really does feel good when you're all working toward this common goal. It's why people who are big sports fans feel so good going to a game or watching a game, even when your team loses, you have that camaraderie with other fans. Yes, absolutely. So I just want to invite your listeners to reframe activism. Mm. Reframe it as an activity that can replenish, that can be fun, that they can control the way Mm. that works for them. They can say no to the ways that don't work for them with gladness of heart. But I really think that for us to live into the future world that we want to see, it's going to take each of us participating a little more instead of a few of us killing ourselves. 
Yes. There are 338 million people in this country. And believe it or not, the overwhelming majority are of a like mind about dignity, agency, and inclusion. Yeah. Most of us do want our neighbors to have more or less the same rights that we have. Mm -hmm. Most of us just want to earn our livings and provide for our families and have Mm -hmm. fun and enjoy our lives. And most Mm -hmm. of us, not all of us, but most of us want that for other people too. We want to, you know, we maybe don't want to get too much in each other's business, Mm -hmm. but we don't want people crushed. Yeah. Now there are some people that want that. I'm exactly. probably not, not speaking to those people. No, no. And for us to have that life, it's going to take a little more participation yeah. from a lot more people. Yeah. So I had this experience. I don't think I've even told you about yet where um, I went to a group of women. Did I tell you this yet, Kelly? I don't I think went so. to a group of women. It was just a social occasion and it was right before the recent vote in Kansas. Um, which was about whether their constitution was going to be amended to take away any choice for for reproductive health for women. Phrased horribly. Well, phrased Phrased for the the amendment to ban abortion. It was was very confusing. They put the amendment in in August. Um, And remember that uh, Kansas already has an abortion ban over 23 weeks. So so. Uh, that's not going to change, but this was going to, I mean, we're women, let's face it. We know women's bodies are really messy and anyone who's ever had a pregnancy knows that a lot of women miscarriage, you know, there are a lot of miscarriages as first, first pregnancies. There are a lot of, a lot more ectopic pregnancies than maybe we want to think happen. But I know a a number of women who had them like, you know, your, your body is a messy place. A lot of things can happen. Things can go wrong. I had a, a very dear friend whose baby died um, mm. at full term in utero. Like uh, things happen. And yeah. this was going to remove the possibility for doctors to take care of women in every possible circumstance. It was going to be illegal to basically save a woman's life, which is. Oh my God. Anyway, I went to this gathering. It was margaritas and, and salsa outside and people were sort of talking about their despair and their despondency. And I was having a conversation and I said, you know what, could I maybe make this conversation public to the group? So I stood up and I told them about swing left and I told them about postcardsforvoters.org. And what I love about postcards for voters is you don't have to think at all. Mm. You get signed up. You have to have decent handwriting. They tell you literally what to write. Exactly. Write these three sentences. That's it send it to these addresses. Couldn't be easier. Yeah. And the table, you should have seen them. The table just filled with energy. Like, <gasps> oh, wait, I can do that. That's all I have to do. I was like, yeah, get postcards. Can they be any postcards? Yep. We get stamps. <laughs> Stamps.com. Buy them on Amazon. Get them at the post office. Wait a minute. How many postcards do I have to send? One, a hundred, as many as you want. Like this table of bright, educated, capable women who ran their lives and ran their businesses had just been in utter defeat about the fact that they could Mm -hmm. make any change because they didn't know that this, it could be that easy and that that was something available to them. So we had this conversation. People said, will you send me the link? I sent the link. We put Mm -hmm. it on the group. 10 women joined in Mm -hmm. with me writing postcards. Oh my gosh. And so we, along with many other women are part of why the vote went the way it did to preserve rights for women in the constitution. And that's a uh, huge step. And so now that table for women is like, what's next, Elaine? What are we doing next? Oh my goodness. And How so, awesome is that? It's so awesome. And so we can lift each other up in these activities. We can do yes. it. It can be fun. It can be part of life. And if you hate writing postcards, you don't have to write them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've do done the text banking before. And it was great. You know, I would actually get some people replying positively. Nobody was rude. It was awesome. Yeah. 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 So I know we've like ranged over a bunch of stuff today and I just want to sort of summarize, I guess. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm proselytizing about specific, uh, this is not about specific issues. 
it's not, if that issue is not for you or you don't agree with that issue, that's fine. Um, What I want to say is that I want to just really acknowledge where we're starting this place of overwhelm, acknowledge that we need to be um, empowered to take the kind of care of ourselves that we really need to take and just really invite you to see activism as a part of that self-care, that it can be fun, that you have complete control over what, how much you do, that it's not about throwing money at something. And then this idea about it being a regular part of your life, um, you can say, I only want to work on this particular issue. Great. You can say, I only want to work on getting other people to vote. Great. Mm-hmm. You can say, I only want to do it in this way or with this people or only on Wednesdays or only at the end of the month. Great. That's all great. But I have been watching other people convert to what I'm doing, which is this is just part of my life. And I'm seeing them kind of fill back up. I'm seeing them feel hopeful and empowered and energized about their place in the world, about making changes. And when this Kansas vote came through, everyone who worked on it felt like their sports team won. They felt like I was part of that. Yeah. So that's what I'm inviting us to do, to understand that activism has a marketing problem, to hear past that noise, to take as females, as entrepreneurs, to change the way we think about it and make it, make it our second pedicure of the month. (laughs) Two pedicures a month. That's amazing. (laughs) Right. I love that. Great suggestions. Awesome metaphors. I, all of this has been amazing. Thank you so much, Elaine. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Just fabulous. So I will share all of those links in the show notes and on this episode's page on my website uh, and your email address. Thank you so much for sharing that as well. Absolutely. And I will make one tiny plug for myself. If you're in the Metro New York area, I am bringing a 30 minute program to directly um, replenish people to various communities that have a built-in community. It's called Emerging. And through music and stories, in a half an hour, we start at where we start. You come in however you feel. If you need to cry, you cry. If you want to laugh, you laugh. We end up working through some things and you know, like with joy, with fun and music. And by the end, there's a sing-along. Uh-huh. And I bet you'll want to sing along by the end and walk out of there feeling just, you know, connected in it, energized, more hopeful and better. So I invite you to look at my emerging program as well. That's on my website, elaineromanelli.com. Awesome. I will have that link there as well. And I saw your promo video for that. You and did. it you is helped me. fabulous. So yes, y'all check out Elaine on our website and uh, go check out these organizations, Swing Left and get in touch with Elaine if you want uh, to get in touch with the other woman uh, for her list. So awesome. Thank you again so much for being here. Thank this you. has been wonderful. And thank you all for being here today. You can leave comments on this episode on the page on the website, on my website, link in the show notes. And I will be back in just a few days. So I'll see you next time on the Marketing Chat Podcast.